get started. So uh, first of all, we thank our sponsors. To, we thank Ted and Pauline Miller. I'm sorry, we thank to Jonathan and Tamar Miller, who sponsored in memory of Ted and Pauline Miller, Zerchanam Livracha. And of course, we thank our sponsors for the month, Linda and Serge Merkin, uh, commemorating the yard sites of uh, Daniel ben Moshechayim, Esther Bas Yaakov Lazar, and Miriam Basev. We thank the Krem and Schaffner families who sponsored in memory of uh, their grandparents, Shoshana Rezel Bas David Dov, Yitzchak Ari ben Harav Nachum, and Harav Azriel ben Yosef Tuvia, and also thank you to Leah and Uriel Sturm, sponsored in memory of their grandparents who are no longer with us. And also thank you to Michal Ogins, who is sponsored in honor of the shining light from Shirat David and the Gula Shleim of Herkla Yisrael. We should see it soon. And uh, thank you to the weekly sponsors, uh, of course, to uh, Shmuel Fleischer, Hassan Danan, in honor of his upcoming marriage this week to Nechama Liba Becker. And uh, thank you to Yosef Pinyam and Paluk, who sponsored the memory of Yosef's mother, Leah Bas Avram. And, uh, and also thank you to Shoshana Yudelman, and sponsoring today in honor of Chaim, Dr. Chaim Yudelman's birthday. All right. So, okay, it's wild outside, but we're going to, everything will make sense when we learn Torah together. So, we all know this story, uh, David and, and David and Goliath. Uh, but the question, of course, always is, what are we meant to learn from this for our generation? That's the question. And as always, I say, I don't know if what, we're, what, what we'll suggest here tonight is, is actually true, but I think it's better to at least try than to, than to leave this in the, in the dustbin of history. Just to learn stories for the sake of learning stories, is, it's beautiful. It's Torah. We check the box. We learn Torah, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to, to try to connect and to understand. So I want to review a piece that we did uh, a year ago, actually. Uh, so I don't know how many people were here or remember, but it's, an, it's a very important teaching from the Vilna Gon to understand who our enemies are. The Vilna Gon, uh, and this is uh, j- just quoting little pieces of the Vilna Gon, just to, it says in, in Az Yashir, Chil achaz yoshvei pelashet, azni falu alofei edom, elei moav yochazemo ra'ad. So it mentions three enemies who are afraid of us. All of our enemies should always tremble before us. Amen. And uh, who are, right, so we have, we have the Plishtim, we have Edom, and we have Moab. So says the Vilna Gon, the Eila HaShlosha Heim Shlosha Mitzarnim Shal Eretz Yisrael. These are our three great enemies, right? They represent three different types of enemies that we struggle against. Moab Mimizrach, Edom Midarom, Plishtim Mima'arav, all from all different directions. And they, and they represent three different types of opposition to Am Yisrael among the nations. So Moab, who avota ubo Yisrael. Moab, you know, with, their, with its daughters enticing the Jewish men, right? They, they try to get us through by, by pulling us into impurity. Edom, who avota nezikin, shehizikul Yisrael biyoter. Edom, you know, they, they try to slaughter us straight up. Right, that's uh, that's Haman who comes from Amalek, who comes from Edom. That's Nazi Germany, and so on. And then the last category are the Plishtim, Hatzaruli Yisrael b'Maod Shum Vishilton. Then we have the Plishtim, which we've forgotten about today, right? Because the Jews were making ourselves crazy, but in general, right, it's 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 more them than us. One would one would think. Uh, so they are the ones they make us. They, they cause us tremendous pain. I think we understand. We all know that. Um, and they don't allow us, they, don't, they, they oppose our sovereignty, right? They oppose our sovereignty. They're not necessarily, they're not out to, to perform a holocaust, so they have no problem murdering Jews. Their goal is to oppose our sovereignty. Um, and so, it's interesting, right? For the Palestinians, the, Palestinians, the Palestinians, the only thing they have in common with the Plishtim is that they took their name, um, but as we've talked about before, right, they're fully focused on one thing, which is denying our sovereignty over the land. And so when we read about Shaul, David, and Goliath, David and Goliath, we, we really are reading our own story, right, the story of our own generation, our own battle with the Palestinians, the Plishtim. And, and it struck me that uh, if you're, after the, the two little boys were murdered at the bus stop, uh, you know, when B.B. said that we would build nine settlements in response, I'm not sure if he followed through. He struggles to follow through on things. <laughs> so I'm not sure if he followed through. Um, but the truth is that really is the ideal response. Because they're attacking us and murdering us in order to deny our sovereignty over the land, right, going and reclaiming sovereignty over the land is the ideal response. 
Um, and that actually is, uh, is something that you, know, you could talk to Nadia Matar, our local celebrity and hero, about. Um, right? She's come to believe that uh, building another settlement here or there is not enough, that we actually have to, it's all about declaration of sovereignty. That, we, that That's the only way that we'll defeat our enemy. And it's, I don't know if she learned this Vilna Gon, but the truth is that really is, since that's what they're fighting us on, is sovereignty. Uh, that, really, that, that really is the, idea, the, the, the proper response to it. Now, with that, with that background, let's, let's, let's dive in. So the, let's, let's look at number two, source number two. We begin, So again, the plishtim are coming. Again, right? It's like every parak is another attack by the plishtim. They don't ever give up and they don't ever, they don't ever leave us alone. Also very connected to the plishtim of today. Right, so they come and they they pitch their tents. Tell Azeka, as we know, right, and so Shaul and all the, the, the his army are on the other side, right, in, in the Vale of Elah. They're getting ready to battle each other. So they're on each of them on two mountaintops and the valley in between. I don't, you know, I envision, you know, as I'm looking across the valley to Dagan, you know, it's like that's how close, right? It's right here. But this is the Lamed Hay when you go past the satellite dishes. Mm-hmm. You have the mountain on one side and the mountain on the other. It's, cra- it's crazy, right? I mean, that's how close, that's how close they were. And they remained that close without coming at each other, as we'll see, for 40 days. Right, and the tension, right, is uh, was palpable. All right, and then there was a isha benayim. That that's probably a whole story in its own right. But what does that mean? But uh, you know, there, there's this man that came from the camp of the plishtim, Galiat Shemo. Goliath was his name from Gat. amot So, if he was six amot, so depending on how big an ama is, it's either one and a half or two feet. So he's either what ten, is that uh, nine or nine or twelve nine to twelve feet tall? That sounds pretty pretty frightening. He's Isha Benayim, Tolkal Bachomer. Everyone else, he's the average guy. It's it's kind of unbelievable to think, right? The Kovan Achoshet Al Rosho. He's got a he's he's and he's weighed down with enormous amounts of metal, right? He's got a brass helmet on his head. Vishir Yon Kas Kasim Hulavush, and he's got a coat of mail on him. It's like hard to imagine 5,000 shekel of brass of his, on his coat. And he had uh, he also had them protecting his legs. And a javelin of brass between his shoulders. The guy must have looked like, uh, like, like some sort of transformer or something like that, right? I mean, I, like from 1982, you know, the cartoon. I, like, I just, it's hard to imagine. Like, what is this guy? He's like part human, part, uh, he's all metal. Yes, descendant of Orpa. That's right. That's right. And he was the exact opposite of Dunkin' Donuts. Exactly. So we'll get there. God willing, we'll get there. If not this week, then next week. And I and I it only like occurred to me yesterday that we have a sheer planned for two nights before Pesach, which is insane. So piece of cake. Maybe we'll just at the end of this we'll decide whether to continue this next week or find some other option. I don't know. Or we can just go for two hours tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. The eight chanito. So he's got the, he's got an enormous spear. It's just it goes on and on, right? I mean, it, it, this guy is this guy is frightening. He's part human, part part transformer. But yeah, Yisrael, and he stands up on the mountaintop and he yells out to the to the Jews on the other side. And he says, "What have you come out here for?" Right, he says, "Al halo anochi aplishti v'atem avadim l'shaul berulachem ish v'yerei lai." Why should we all go and have a whole big war? I'll be the one from the plishtim. You choose one of you guys, and we'll fight it out, just the two of us. So you know, save a lot of blood. Right, this was a thing I think they did in ancient times. Right, this was, uh, you know, what? Choose your champion. Exactly, choose your champion. And winner takes all. They were in zamin, no blood. It is fascinating. Uh, so, if you could find somebody who could fight me and can kill me, we'll all be your servants. But if I win and kill him, right, then all of you are going to be our servants. 
And so he was, he started taunting right, the people of Israel. Give me somebody to fight. Everybody heard Shaul and all of Am Yisrael, and they were all terrified. Not one man was, had, had the courage to get up and fight him. He did this every morning and every night for 40 straight days. Pretty crazy, right? Hard to, hard to imagine right, that it went on and on and on. So what stands out about Goliath, and we'll the, see more of this. The 40 has to mean something with all the other 40s we've got. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, it's coming, okay. 100%. Okay. So we'll see here with Goliath, right, is that is, is his extraordinary strength is, is very clear, and his, his reliance on the physical, and his incredible arrogance, right? I mean, it's just a, the taunting, right? He, has, he, ha, he seems to have no fear. I could take any of you anytime, Right? And, and that's why you know, I highlighted here in, the, in Pasuk you know, 5 and 6, in Hey and Vav, Nechoshet, Nechoshet, Nechoshet. It's like a, right, the, the Pesukim are highlighting his equipment over and over again because that's where he places his faith, in his equipment. Right? If you look at number 3, Nechoshet also means something else. This is from Yeshayahu, Midati Kikasheata, Vigid Barzel Arpecha, Umitzchacha Nechusha. Right? I know you're obstinate. Your neck is like iron sinew, and your, your brow is like brass. Is nechush, right? It's an arrogance. It's an obstinance. Right? That, that's, nechoshet represents that as well. Right? Nechoshet, Goliath is arrogance in essence. And he's doing this for 40 days. So what does 40 days remind you of? The flood. The flood. Matan Torah, right? Matan Torah. Goliath is coming to nullify Matan Torah. So says the Gemara in Sot, right? He got up every morning and every night for 40 days. Right? In order to prevent them from being able to be Yotzeik Shema in the morning and at night with any sort of, any sort of Kavana. Right? When you're in terror over, over a man, how can you properly have awe and reverence for the king of all kings? What does that mean, Keneged? Meaning he's coming to nullify those 40 days, the 40 days of Torah. He's coming and taunting and saying, where's your Torah now? Right? Where is your Torah now? I mean, really, really amazing. Right? Meaning this is not merely a military battle. It is a military battle, but it's more than that. Right? Goliath is attacking the Torah itself. Right? Everything that we stand for and that we live for. Right. I think that that's the meaning of what, of, of what the rabbis are saying here in the Gemara. Right? And, and so it's interesting. He is both the physical enemy of Am Yisrael and the spiritual enemy of Am Yisrael. You know, today, in our time, very often we find these enemies are divided into different groups of people. Right? We have, you know, we have, there's an alliance between our physical enemies, the Arabs who are attacking us, and our spiritual enemies, right? the Western culture warriors who hate religion and everything that we stand for and hate Jews, right? It's, it's, a, it's like the secular Europeans funding illegal Arab settlements in, uh, in Area C, right? How do, how do they work together? These people should hate each other, right? But they don't. They somehow join together, the physical and spiritual enemies of Am Yisrael, and, and work together to battle us. Goliath himself, right, is, is representative of all of this. But why, why are the Plishtim attacking again at this particular moment? So before we look at, the, at, at what the Mepharshim say, where are we in the, in the, in the story of, of Shmuel Aleph? Where are we? Why would they attack now at this moment? What has just happened? What have we been learning about? David was anointed. Exactly. David was anointed, and David is being lifted up by Hashem. And, and correspondingly, Shaul... Is on his way down. He lost his mojo, right? He lost his, his godly mojo, right? And, what, and, and, and so what do we see? We see an enemy that senses and smells our weakness, right? They're coming because they, they, can, they can see Shaul is not what Shaul used to be, right? If you look at number five, this is the Malbim. Right? So it's Kibesur Ruach Hashem Mi Rosh Malkam. When the spirit of Hashem has left their, their leader, their king, Nishtek Vurat Yisrael Vegavar Oyev Haplishtim. So then the strength of Am Yisrael is weakened. 
because our leadership is weakened and the, the strength of our enemies increases, right? This is what uh, everybody is saying, right? On all sides, right? I mean, all our enemies have to do is look and see what's going on here. They sense and they smell our weakness. That's why it's a frightening time. Right? Thank God we believe in Hashem. But if you didn't, right, you have, you have a nation that's tearing itself apart and then you have enemies that are looking from the outside, you know, ready to pounce and Ramadan is coming. Right, so they sense, they smell it. Right, because otherwise, this is a a, a people, the Plishtim, who were just you know whipped by Yonatan and his and his buddy on the right, his his Nosei on the side. Right, the two of them went and started killing dozens of Plishtim, and the whole army ran from two guys. So how how do they now have the gall to come back and taunt us? Because they can sense our internal weakness. Because otherwise, from the outside, it makes no sense. We just, we just whipped them. Right? Yonatan, this was not that long ago. This whole reign of Shaul, the whole story of Shaul, is a couple of years total. This is all, you know, with it, I mean, it's, it's all contemporary. So Yonatan, they just, they just got beaten badly in battle, and now they're going to come attack again? Something must have changed. It's because they sense the difference in Shaul HaMelech. Right? Now they have the you know, the confidence to fight us, right? It's the difference between 1967 and, and then after, you know, and 1973. From between 67 and 73, they're in trembling, right? And then all of a sudden, the Yom Kippur War changed things. Even though they lost, right? Somehow we weren't quite as, you know, in, you know invincible as we were before. But there's more than that, right? Goliath here in, in Chet, what does he do? He's, he says, He's calling out Shaul, right? He's calling out, right, the weakness of the king. Number, number six. I'm just a regular guy, regular 10 foot tall giant covered with thousands and thousands of pounds of metal, right? I'm just a regular guy. Just Ela Plishti Right? Even though I've, I've already fought in many wars, and not only that, I Pinchas, according to Jewish tradition, right? They, he's the one who killed Chafni and Pinchas, the sons of Eli, and Veshiviti et Aaron, and he took, and he's the one who captured the Aaron way back in, uh, you know, early the beginning of Sefer Shmuel, right? And now you are the servants of Shaul, um, Big Burato, right? I'm saying, like, where, where is, where is Shaul? What has he ever done? What has he ever accomplished? Who has he saved? You, right? Who's he saved you from? I'm just a regular guy. I've already fought incredible battles, and your king, your leader, where is he? Why isn't he stepping up to the plate? He's calling out Shaul. Shouldn't he be the one to come to fight me? Right? I should be nothing compared to him, and yet he's terrified, right? So, um, the Medr Shmuel, right? Let's remember. What, what do Chazal say about Shaul and Goliath? They have an earlier history, right? This was way back when, when at that terrible battle, when Chafti and Pinchas were killed and, they, and the Plishtim stole the Aaron, right? The Pasuk there says that a man from Binyamin ran from the battle and came to Shiloh with umadav kruim, with torn clothing, and he had dirt on his head, right? And vizeh Shaul. And says Rablevi, Right, that he ran sixty miles, running away from the battle back to, to Shiloh. So he had been in the battle. He saw that that Goliath had stolen the Aron and the, and, and the Luchos, which were in the Aron, and he runs and with courage he goes and he grabs the Luchos and he saves them and he brings them back to Shiloh. Right? Incredible. So what is Goliath saying? Where is that guy? the one who had the courage to take me on, right? And while, you know, as I turned this way, he just came and ran and, and grabbed the, the holy luchos and ran and brought them back to Shiloh. Where is he now? Why won't he come and face me today? Meaning there's something wrong with your king. Maybe he fought me back then, but he's certainly not fighting me now, right? There's a weakness. He smells the weakness, right? Now he's cowering in fear. What? Is there an option not to do this one-on-one battle? And say, okay, Again, one-on-one, we're never going to beat you, but... You know, it is interesting. They seem to have allowed him to set the terms of the battle. Yeah. 
is that really, you know, is, uh, you're right. Why should, why should we be listening, right? I mean, why should we allow him to set the terms of the battle? But we did. They were so terrified. Nobody thought to respond in that way. Warfare. Yeah. No, it is definitely psychological warfare. Absolutely. Um, it, it, I mean, it's really just, just incredible, right? It, Shaul should be the one. Remember, he's the tallest man of Israel. By a whole, right, he's a head taller than everybody else. I don't know how tall Shaul was. So for, as a tall Jew, would that make him like 5'7"? Five, five, I don't know. So, I, but it, maybe, he was, maybe he was six foot eight, seven feet. Sure, Goliath was bigger, but he was the biggest Jew. If anyone should go and fight the tall, gigantic Plishti, it should be Shaul. But he doesn't. So it says, or I get, or look at the next Medrash here. Again, Medrash Shmuel. Right? When, when we are, when we're close to Hashem and trust in Hashem, then the enemy is trembling. When we're sinning, right, we tremble. Right? And that's exactly, the, that's the problem that we're in today. Right? Why are, why are our Jewish mothers and their children trembling as they drive through Huwara? Right? It should be the opposite. Right, that's the situation we're waiting for. We don't mean we're not looking for anything bad upon the Gentiles. Anyone who's on our te- who wants to be on our team, we love. It's great be on our team. We love you. It's wonderful. We don't want to do anything terrible. But if any, we want our, what we do want, and this we daven for every day, is that our enemies should tremble and that we should be safe and secure. Right? That's our goal. But unfortunately, with Shaul's sin, right, there's been a, there's been a, uh, a collapse, right, of, of Jewish self-respect. Right, he's depressed. He's in crisis. He's afraid. Remember. <laughs> This is the man who needs Davin Melech to, to play music for him in order not to have a, you know, have a meltdown in his own palace, let alone staring Goliath in the face. Right? How different is the, the new Shaul from the old Shaul? Right? Remember when he first became king and Ammon threatened the, the, the people of Israel, he responds with fire, with passion, right? and, and, and goes and, and, there's a, and they slaughter the Ammonites. And now, right now he's terrified. Right. right, this is way back with Ammon, right, that the, the, the spirit of Hashem was on him, and when he hears about our, these enemies who are coming to, and they are also degrading the people of Israel, remember, they, they said they wanted to cut out one eye from every Jew, right, from the men of Menashe, uh, or on the other side of the Yardane, so they're like Goliath, they're coming and taunting, but how does he respond? With fiery anger. Now, <coughs> the same thing. He hears the taunts of a plishti, and he's terrified. The connection between sin and fear, it's, it's unbelievable, right? And, and we see here, it's just, it's so, it's so powerful. Rev. Tao, he writes as follows, in the second line, he says, no. Once he lost you know, and he's not even talking about Shaul, but I think he could be talking about Shaul. Once, you know, Shaul loses his sense of self, right? His, the spirit of Hashem left him. He didn't know who he was anymore. So, and he turns away from Hashem to the other, to the other gods of the, of the nations. Where we, 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 lose, we can lose sight of who we are as a nation. When we lose sight of who we are, when we fall away from Hashem into sin, then we lose our life force. Right? He's quoting from Rav Kook, right? which gives us the gvura that we need. Right? Right? It's like when the nation became old during the time of Elkanah and Chana. What does that mean? They became old, as we talked about. They weren't physically old. They were old because they, were, they, they lost sight of who they were, of what they stood for. When a nation loses, loses sight of its ideals, it becomes old and weak. Right? Right? The, the, the joy, the, the, the yearning, all of the, the powerful passions that drive, that drive us, right? and that, that gives us gedula, that gives us greatness, all of that is lost. And that causes the nation to become weak. If, we, if we're not clear, if our, if our musar is not, is not in a good place, if we're not living according to holiness, right? then we lose all 
chifetz, all desire to, to build and to grow and to be strong and to go out there and, and all the sacrifice that that requires. Right? So sin leads to weakness and fear. Right? Shaul should be the one to battle Goliath, because he's, but he's no longer able. And so as we'll soon see, David is ready to take his place. Right? It's, it's, a, it's really unfortunate. Like, we see this, that the Shaul Jews of our time, who at one point were so brave, right? we say this all the time, we can't lose sight that the, the children of the founders, the grandchildren of the founders who were pioneers and, and braved the malaria and, and Arab terrorists and, and so on, and they built this land, their grandchildren are, you know, hanging out in bars in Tel Aviv and want to just give everything away, or, and they're, waiting, they're saving, up, saving up enough money so they can leave this country as fast as possible. Right? There's so many people like that. How does that happen? Right? It, it's because it's a falling away from Hashem. I, I also want to mention that someone, I can't remember the exact context, but someone was talking There's a, there's a reason why when religious Zionism was, was uh, growing and expanding and, and trying to, to shift the outlook of, of the Jews of Europe, right, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, if you read all of these old newspapers and magazines, I do because I'm, I'm a nerd, so when you read that stuff, you see it's like over and over and over again, they're, they're battling to make Tanakh part of the curriculum um, because Tanakh and Eretz Yisrael go hand in hand. How would you even learn this today? Even so, somehow if it could get if it if it's absorbed, they teach it. it it's something, right? Yeah, no, no. This is this is part of the battle that we're having here, and and, and that's probably really more of the fundamental struggle that we're dealing with now. The, the judicial reform is just a battle over power. It's representative of the much deeper issues that we have here. I don't, I don't think that people are really so conversant on, on any side. I mean, there are experts on all sides, obviously, but the average man or woman doesn't really, isn't really thinking, but this is about whose country does, who, is this? Who, who owns this country? So that, that's what this is about. Um, so let's continue. So, but now all of a sudden, enter David HaMelech. Now, as this is happening, right, 40 days, there are, you have two armies, look, staring at each other across the, across the valley, David ben Ishai, David, sorry, David ben Ishai, Frati Hazeh, mi Beit Lechem Yehuda, Ushmo Yishai. Now, David was the son of the Ephrati, right? Comes from here, from Beit Lechem in Yehuda. He's the son of Yishai. We're reintroduced to, to David HaMelech, right? Who has, right? To Yishai, who has eight sons. And so, So the three oldest sons of Yishai, had gone after Shaul la Milchama. David's three older, oldest brothers are there, in, are there at the, the battlefront. So Eliav, Avinadav, and Shama are all there at war. David right? David was the youngest. Right? The other three followed Shaul. Now, what was up with David? Sometimes he was playing music for Shaul HaMelech, right? trying to get him out of his depression. And other times he's uh, taking care of his father's sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got anointed that you're going to become the next king of Israel. Go, go take care of the sheep. Right? It's kind of amazing. Right? Um, so now, what, what's going on? So all this is happening as the Plishtim are there for 40 days. David Beno. So Yishai says to David, his son, So take an ephah of parched corn and these 10 loaves of bread, bring them to your brothers, right? Bring them some food. You got to eat at the battlefront. And, uh, and also this, uh, the cheeses and bring it to the captain of the thousands and, and you know, check on your brothers. 
Um, now, Shaul and all the men of Israel are there, you know, fighting. They're, they're looking at the plishtim, right? They're not fighting. So David gets up in the morning, and uh, he leaves the sheep with a shomer. Uh, and then he gets up and he goes, as his father said. Uh, he comes to the barricade, right, where everybody is. They're getting ready for battle. So... This is all very, very interesting, right? We're, we're reintroduced to David HaMelech. Why? We already know who David HaMelech is we, we, for a few chapters already. So I think it's because we're being reintroduced to David here. Until now, we've known David as the musician and David the shepherd. That's what we talked about last week. Now we're being introduced to David the warrior, right? It's a new David. It's a new David. And he's going to be introduced to Am Yisrael at this moment. Until now, he's still... Some guy, you know, playing music in the court of the king. Not a nobody, but he, he is a shepherd. Okay. Shkoyach, right? It's all going to change in the, in the space of a few psukim. Even himself didn't recognize him. Yeah, it's, it's strange. What does that mean? Like he didn't, it, it, meaning he's seeing him in a new light, as we'll see. So, Do they not trust anointing oil? Or looks like they have no regard for it. Fascinating, right? David's family. They're the ones who saw this. Now, what do we notice here? Anyone see the connection? Right? It mentions three brothers. By name, who are all now at war. Those are the three brothers, anyone remember from two weeks ago? Right? That Shmuel explicitly rejected because God said, No, God does not want any of you. Right? Then it said, Yeah, the other brothers too, the ones who are nameless. But these are the three that God explicitly rejected. And Shmuel, as God's messenger, the holiest man of the generation, can't imagine a more shattering moment for these three sons of Yishai. Now, these are the three who are at war. Right? And now Yishai is being told to check up on the three sons who probably, the three brothers, hate him more than anyone else. Right? These are the older ones. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just the connections between the stories are, are unbelievable. Right? Number 13, the Al Sheikh says, he says, these oldest brothers had tremendous jealousy. The fact that David was the one who was anointed and not them. That's why the three of them left home. They didn't want to be around him. They went to join the war. Because they're, they're, like, they're, they're their men. These are men. These are warriors of Judah. Right? They went. They're their, their men. At home, this little pisher was chosen over them and they were emasculated. Right there, that's where they want to be with Shaul. These are right. They they count themselves as men of Shaul, not right. They're not followers of their little brother. Right, they were explicitly rejected by Shaul. And of course, they had jealousy in their hearts against David. David, who katan, he's this little guy. He's nobody. And he's preferred over them. That's why he left. He's not our king. Right? He's not our king. And Barbanel says, Right, these were warriors. These were men. These were soldiers. Um, and so, what's so amazing is we're, we're being told that these are the soldiers in the family. And yet, when the moment comes, the moment of truth comes, and this terrifying Goliath is standing there facing Am Yisrael, the three older brothers, right? And everybody's afraid. Nobody stands up. It's, it's the little kid brother, the shepherd, who is not trained in war and in battle. He's the one who ends up stepping up, right? We're, we're, being, we're, we're being told, right, to, to pay attention to these little details, right? It's amazing, right? The, the way that the establishment, right, whatever, the, whatever country it is, America, Israel, doesn't matter. The establishment doesn't matter what party it is, right? Is always insul- insults the up-and-coming leaders. Who are you? Remember, like, back in the day when Bibi was like, who are you? You're like a nothing, a nobody, some young 
some young upstart, right? It's hard to imagine. Now he's like the ultimate establishment, right? It's like, it's amazing how things change. But that's the, you know, and he's like looking down at the, the, new, the new people. Who are you? Where'd you come from? What is if you have a right to rule, right? I have a right to rule. I'm the king of Israel, Bibi Melech Israel, right? Um, it, it's, uh, it, but it's, just, it's just amazing, right? That's how they view David. He's a young upstart. And what right does he have? What right does he have? But we understand why, why David's older brothers went to war. Somebody has to defend the Jewish people and they're angry at their brother and jealous and so they went to war. But why does Yishai send David? Why does he risk his life by sending him to the battlefield? Right? There are eight sons. The older three went to battle. There's five more. Why out of the five does he send David? Well, he also saw the annoying thing. He, maybe he, maybe didn't, he wasn't jealous of it. He was interested. Interested, yes. But he also knows that his oldest sons can't stand his youngest son, Mm -hmm. right? And so he's going to send him to go check on the older brothers who hate him. What does that remind you of? It's Yosef. It's It's Yaakov sending Yosef to check on his older brothers. It's the same thing. Isn't that fascinating, right? It's just incredible. So I think that the answer here is the answer that we find that Rashi brings for why Yaakov sent Yosef, right? So if you look at 15... Right, this is Yisrael, right? Yisrael, Vayomer Yisrael, Yosef, go and check on your brothers. And Rashi says, um, what does it refer to as you know, Emek Hebron? Why does it refer to the, the valley of Hebron? When we know the Hebron is in a har, right? It's on a, it's on a hill. So it says, Elamei Amuka. It's a hint. It doesn't mean physically deep. It means from the deep, the deep um, prophecies and, and knowledge of, the, of those who are you know, buried in Hebron, right, of, of Avram Avinu, the Kayem Ashenemar la Avram Bena Bitarim, right, the, the promise that God said to Avram that your children are going to be slaves. And, right, there's a, God has a plan. Yosef has to get to Mitzrayim because eventually the rest of, of Yaakov and his family are going to get to Mitzrayim. God has a plan that nobody else is, is paying attention to right now. He, he, he promised it that this was going to happen. He said it at the covenant, the Brit Bena Bitarim. Hashem has a plan and these certain things have to happen. Yes, we have free will, but free will is balanced together with Hashem's plan, which I think is something that we should all remember because we live in a world where nobody talks in that way. Nobody talks in that language, right? But that Hashem has a plan. We, it's free will that, right? We, we blame the brothers for how they treated Yosef, meaning there is free will, but it also operates together with the Eitzah Amuka, right? The deep plan that Hashem had, right? For Am Yisrael to go down to, to Mitzrayim. And so it's the same thing here. David was meant to be at that battle, as we know, right? Everybody knows. We can't forget, right, that at that moment, it wasn't clear. Why was his father sending him instead of one of the other sons? I don't don't know if Yishai knew. But Yishai knew that he had, right? Yishai was compelled, in a sense, to send David in the way that Yaakov was compelled to send Yosef. I think, to me, that was just, I got a little tingle down down my back as I realized Hashem is operating this way with us as well right now. There's a plan for redemption and it involves us uh, with our free will and we have to do, and it's complicated. We're not sure what to do with all these situations. These are, these are difficult times. And yet Hashem's also got a plan, which I think is somewhat comforting. Even when it seems like we're heading for the abyss, sometimes Hashem is pushing us to the abyss because as uh, our Christian friend said, right? The pieces are falling into place, right? That Hashem has a plan. So here we are. Number 17. Hashem chose me from all the house of my father, the Yotla Melech Yisrael Le'olam. Right? David is saying to, to make me the king over Israel. Hashem wanted me to be the king over all of Israel. It's <laughs> very sharp. That's good. Uh, but it's amazing, right? You think, right? Think about this. This is the moment that catapults David ultimately to be Melech, right? Yes, of course, he was anointed, but how does it happen? This is the moment that David goes from being an obscure shepherd musician to being the great hero of the people of Israel, right? Nothing is the same after this David and, battle of David and Goliath. It transforms David's life entirely, right? And Hashem, his desire is that David is going to be king. And so this had to happen. It had to be. Hashem's running the show. Now, Number 
So they're standing there, army against army, right? Nobody knows what to do. It's right. The Plishtim themselves don't seem to be ready to jump and attack us, right? They're way, they, they, they keep taunting us. David leaves his baggage with the Shomer HaKelim. He's drawn like a magnet. Everybody else is terrified. And he's drawn like a magnet to the battle. He goes and he checks on his brothers. Right? And as he's there, he sees Goliath for, you know, day uh, 40, right, coming. And again, taunting Am Yisrael. And he hears it. They're all terrified. They run away. They can't even look at him. Have you seen this man? He's coming to taunt us. And, and they start talking in, the, in this kind of a language, a certain language, where they say, look, somebody's got to kill him. Somebody's got to go after him. And if he does it, whoever kills him, the king is going to make him wealthy. I'm sure he'll marry the king's daughter. He'll make his father's house free in Israel. Maybe of taxes. That's my guess. Right? Um, that's real freedom. So, right, this is the way people are talking, right? Somebody's got to step up. We need somebody. Come on. They're, they're, I mean, yes, the, the risk is pretty great. You're probably going to get squashed by Goliath. But if you somehow kill him, it's going to be awesome for you, right? That's how they're talking. David. So David says, So he comes and he starts talking to people. He's schmoozing around. He's, he's like, instead of like some young, young guy coming, delivering the cheese and the bread and going home, he's like the opposite. He's walking around, talking up everybody. Right in in the Jewish army, so he says, what, "What what will happen for the guy who kills his plishti, and who goes and kills him? and removes the disgrace from among Am Yisrael." Notice that David talks very differently than the other people. What is he very concerned about? The honor, the honor of Am Yisrael. Who is this uncircumcised plishti? You see how the way he speaks, right? It's like, it gets you like stand up straighter in your chair, right? A Jew, when, when a Jew reads these psukim, who dares to taunt the armies of the living God. Right? He's, he's talking in a way that the people there are not feeling. Right? Shaul doesn't feel like the, arm, like the leader of the army of the living God. He hasn't been there. He hasn't been there. He's hiding. He's afraid. He's frightened. No, no, no. He hasn't been there and experienced that, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With fresh, like he's fresh eyes, right. But everybody else from the moment they saw him was terrified. David is responding, right, angry. He's standing up to Reminiscent of the anger that Shaul experienced him, that he had the first time with Amma. Where did he get this confidence from? Well, remember, the Ruach Alokim, right, which left Shaul, came to him. We talked about last, right? We talked about that all last week. That is, right, there's a Ruach HaGvura, the Oldham of Farshim say. This is the Ruach HaGvura that's playing out. Um, and they all tell him what's going on, right, what, 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 how the person will be rewarded. So now David's older brothers are seeing their little brother talking a big game, right? And he sees his, his little brother talking to people. He gets angry at him and he says, what did you do coming down here? Amina tashta Who's who's watching the few sheep in the in the wilderness? That that's what you're really supposed to be in charge of a bunch of sheep, right? Who's watching them? It's hard to imagine anybody more wrong, right, than David's older brother. I know how horrible you are and the evil in your heart, right? Right? <laughs> it's like unbelievable. How, right? The people who are wrong in history sometimes are like really wrong, you know? It's like not doesn't look good for for David's older brother Eliab. You came down here to be a spectator for the fun of watching the battle. And David says, What did I do? What did I do? Right? That line we're going to see many times with David. Why, why are you all after me? What did I do? What did I do? But this time, but what does he do? He doesn't leave. He turns away from his brother and says, See ya. I got more important things to do than deal with my older brother who's jealous of me. Right? Um, so he starts talking to them and, and, and continues in what he was doing before. So why does David repeatedly ask the, these other, the soldiers, what's going to happen to the man who kills this plishti and removes the disgrace of Am Yisrael? It seems to be that he goes from soldier to soldier to soldier. So says the Malbin, right? David He's saying this like, how can this be? 
He's not walking around technically, oh, what am I going to get if I kill the Plishti? He's saying, how can this be that nobody is going to fight the Plishti? Right? He's, he's awakening the hearts of the Jewish soldiers. You think, right, what, for, for some money and a princess? That's what we're going to go fight this guy? Right? That, that's the reason? No, that's not the goal of fighting this man. The goal is is to take vengeance. Right? On this man who is taunting and, and disgracing the name of Hashem. And he's disgracing God's nation. That's the reason to fight this guy. Not for a princess and for some money. Right? That's more precious than any reward I might get. Right? The hope the people, all the soldiers were thinking wrong. They were thinking like mercenaries. Right? I whenever I think of mercenaries, I think of like, you know, fifth grade when I learned about the Hessians, you know, and the American Revolution. Right? They were big scary Germans, but they ended up losing. They were mercenaries. They were there for the money. They didn't care. Right? That, that's not who we are, says David. We're here for the honor of Am Yisrael. Not to fight for money. That's the greatest reward, is the honor of Israel. We talk about the Karen Israel, right? The Karen, the horn, right? He was anointed with the horn, but the Karen is the glory of Am Yisrael. David is synonymous with the glory of Am Yisrael. When we are davening every day, remember, it's Semach David Avdecha, right? When we talk about Karno Tarum, Bishuatecha, or we want the Karen of David Amelech, that's what we want. Right? We have enough of being insulted by the nations of this world. We're, we have enough of it already. When Am Yisrael finally awakens and, and is disgusted with how, with how we're treated in the UN and stands up and walks out and lights the place on fire before we leave, right? that's how we'll know that David HaMelech is back. Right? That's, it's the honor, the glory of Am Yisrael. It sounds radical when we talk this way today, but this is the language of David HaMelech. It doesn't mean that we should go and do necessarily radical, crazy things. That's already psak. That's not... For people like us. But to talk this way, right, it's not just talk. This stuff is important. We have to be talking about the glory of Am Yisrael. These are things that people, it doesn't even enter the mind of a Jew in exile to think in, about these things, right? The glory of Am I'm thinking about Dafyomi, right? I'm thinking about paying yeshiva tuition, right? They say, but this is, this is Geula. David HaMelech is Geula, and David HaMelech is Karen Yisrael, the glory of Am Yisrael, right? That, this is so important to be talking this, this way. Right, where is the pride of Israel? For 40 straight days, this miserable, uncircumcised plishti is taunting us and we have no response. Right? Why is the prize necessary? So obviously, we have to we say something like this. We have to learn a few lines of Rav Kook. So it says Rav Kook, right, it says, Katnuta emunat, smallness of faith, and, and being distant from the higher levels of holiness, Right? Again, he doesn't know because we don't understand our own holiness, our own greatness, our own value. Right? If, because we, 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 we haven't yet figured out that the Hashem's godless, right? it's, 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 we are worthy of it. We just have to remember that we're worthy of it and realize that we're worthy of it. Right? This, is, this is connected to Am Yisrael. Right? Gaiva, arrogance when it comes to an individual is a terrible thing. Arrogance when it comes to our nation, meaning pride when it comes to our nation, is a very good thing. Right? They're, two, they're very different. Gaava, right, le'umit is good. Gaava for the prat is not good. We all need to be, try to be humble people. That's what's so incredible about David Amelech. His extraordinary humility as an individual, his ability to forgive people who disgraced him individually, right? That comes up many times in his life. His incredible humility when it comes to his own personal honor. But when it comes to the glory of Am Yisrael, he's, right, he's going to chop off Goliath's head, literally, right? And bring it with him to Yerushalayim, right? And put it on a stick like they, you know, like they did with, you know, with Mel Gibson's head. After they after they cut after they cut him into pieces, right? In Braveheart, right? We should see that day, right? Where David Amelech is cutting off the head of Mel Gibson, and putting it on a stick, right? Um, so I'm saying, but that's right. When it comes to the pride of Am Yisrael, that right? There's no there's no being mochel on your kavod. We can be mochel on our individual kavod, but not on the kavod of Am Yisrael. And that's why there's a halacha 
that everybody could be mochel on their kavod except for a melech. A melech is not allowed to be mochel on his kavod, on his honor, because a melech represents Am Yisrael. You can't be mochel on the honor of Am Yisrael. That's a big, that, right, that's, that's unacceptable. Right, so you, see, you see, he talks about the geut leumit. This is why Rav Cook, I always feel, is like a reincarnation. He's a Gilgal of David HaMelech because he spoke in a language that the other people of his generation didn't speak in, which is exactly the case with, when it comes to David. Now, on the next page, I just go very quickly, Rav Karlap. He, so he talks here about how in Galus, Sidre Avoda Begalut, what is the approach of, of serving Hashem in Galus? It's like the diminishing of the moon. Right? right, like we say about the moon, right? Hashem said to the moon, go and make yourself small. Right? It's, there's a humility that we have to have living under the thumb of our enemies. Right? We're always filled with fear in exile. We're always nervous and always questioning ourselves. Right? This, whole, uh, this whole questioning of the self, and I'm, I'm, I think that I'm, I'm oh, so unworthy, I'm so, this, I'm so terrible, right? which there were certain rabbis like this, holy people who were like this. This is, says Rav Charlap, this is the approach of serving Hashem in Galos. Where you're yargish at pechituto. Yoteri imtzat atzmo mukshar lavodah. The smaller you make yourself, the, the more worthy you are of serving Hashem. However, when it comes to geula, right, the time that we're in and the place that we're in, heim besod chazarata yareach lekad muta. It's the returning of the moon to its fullness. Or Hashemesh Shivatayim, Or Shivatayim and the light of the sun will be sevenfold. Right? We'll talk more about this in maybe in future Shiurim. But think about what we do at Kiddush Levana. Why do we talk about David Hamelech at Kiddush Levana? Right? Because we're talking about the moon is now becoming bigger again. It stopped waxing. Right? No, sorry, it stopped waning, and now it's beginning to wax. It's beginning to get bigger again. Right? That we're yearning for. Right? With the moon, we're yearning for. The, the, the Seder HaGeula, the Avoda of Geula of David HaMelech. That's what we're looking for. Which is, right, David HaMelech is Geula. He is Eretz Yisrael. Right? There is no smallness. You don't have to make yourself small in Eretz Yisrael and in Geula. Adarabah, it's Gedulas HaNefesh. You have to feel the glory of Hashem in your soul. That's the way to serve Hashem here. Not through being a wimp with like a yeshiva guy handshake, Right? Dead fish handshake. It's through strength, right? And we see that Am Yisrael, the, right, the grandchildren of wimps came here and became like warriors, right? I'm saying, you know, one of my one of my nieces is dating a guy whose whose uh, chest is like bursting out of his out of his shirt. It's like unbelievable. He's like a warrior. This guy, I'm like terrified in front of him. I came from I came from exile. You know, I'm still I'm not, I haven't caught up. I'll never catch up to guy. I mean, this guy's amazing, right? Where's that? It's a different it's a different type type of avoda that they couldn't imagine. Whoever has the light of Geula within them, during these days leading into Mashiach, they can't bear this, like, this Jewish like, nervousness and fear, and, and, and you know, they can't handle it. Like the lessening of our spirit. It, it makes them crazy. What do you think of when you read this? You think of David Amelch. He's walking around, he's seeing the smallness of spirit, and it's making him nuts. He can't, he can't handle it. He's the one Jew of Geula in a whole army of, of, of Shaul Jews, right? It's incredible. Right? And, and, and as, just to finish it, as Rav Kook says, <speaking in Hebrew> You can't have Ruach HaKodesh come down on Am Yisrael. Until we remove that, this evil fear that we have inside of us. We're so afraid from, from 2,000 years of exile. Until we remove that, says Rav Kook, we, can't, we will not have the Ruach HaKodesh and the light of Hashem come down upon us. Right? This is a maka. This is a, it's like a maka that like sticks to us. It's like wraps around us. That comes from our days in exile. <clears throat> and being chased by so many enemies for so many years, we're so afraid, right? And so, what, so I always felt that there was a nitzotz, there's like a spark of David HaMelech, right, in, in Menachem Begin. Hadar. Right? Hadar, exactly. So my favorite speech of all time, I'm not going to read it through now, is the Banana Republic speech mm-hmm. after, uh, after he blew up the, the nuclear reactor. What about the one when he told uh, Biden, we're not Jews of bended knee? That's right. Oh, there's so many to choose from, you know. That's, that was, I just, I don't know. It's something about the Banana Republic, this whole, like, you know, where he says, you know, because America scolded us, in, you know, in 1982, 
right? So he says, what talk is this? You know, punishing Israel. Are we a vassal state? Are we a banana republic? Right? Just the, the Lashon of Begin was so important. It was so important. Language matters, the way we talk about ourselves. Right? He was a, a spark of David Amel, no question. But I know it's already getting late, so I'm just going to try to move, very, move, move, uh, move quickly here. So we come, right, number 24, and, uh, and we see David HaMelech, he, 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 he raises his hand, right? I'm ready to go and fight. Nobody should be afraid, right? right? Your servant will go and fight this plishti. And Shaul says, you're just a kid. What are you going to go and fight this man? He's like, a, he's part, he's like a, an elephant, this guy. You're going to go and fight him as a little kid? So David says to Shaul, he says that I was a, you know, I, 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 I was a roe, I was a shepherd. And I, I've torn apart lions and, and bears, right? All of this came, I guess, over the last, in, the, in, recent, in recent months since he was anointed by, 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 uh, by Shmuel. And he had this new Ruach HaGvura within him. Right, and he killed these animals with his bare hands. It's unbelievable. And so Shaul is convinced, right? He allows himself to be convinced. I guess he doesn't really have much of a, much of a choice. Um, but you can only imagine what's going through Shaul's mind as he sees his menagein, right? His, his sweet little, you know, young guy, right? Maybe he's only just growing a little bit of stubble, you know, in the body. He's like just a little bit, right? He's got the mustache, you know, right? not much else. He's playing music. That's the guy that he knew. And all of a sudden, he's, he's coming here and he's ready to take on Goliath. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Right, and so Rav Bachrach, he writes, right, that, right though, but, but he thinks that there's something here beneath the surface. So he thinks, unlike the Pshat, that Shaul is not surprised at all. That in, this, in the depths of his heart, right, he, he was waiting for this moment, for when the Moshiach would come. Because he knows that he knows deep inside that he's not the one anymore. He's waiting for the person to come who's going to save them. Right, and, and, and he says, you know, it's not a, this is not a time of digging. He knew deep within him that David had these, these incredible abilities, that there's something unique about him. That he is not just a musician, but also a warrior. Right? So on the one hand, Shaul is waiting for him. On the other hand, Shaul is terrified that this young guy is going to come and show the world that he's the one who has a gevura and not him. And this is really already, we find this the very, very beginning of what will be defined the rest of Shmuel Aleph. Many chapter after chapter after chapter of the intensity and complexity in the relationship between Shaul and David. I'm sorry, just, we'll finish up very quickly. So just very, just very quickly, it's very interesting. So he takes off his clothing, his madav, right? And he puts them on David. He puts his clothing on David which is a, really a fascinating thing. We, we don't really find, you know, it's an unusual word, this word madav. It's very rare in Tanakh. And generally it's only used with Shaul, uh, which is it's so interesting, right? Number 20, this is number 28, right? Madav, right? We're talking about, uh, about Shaul, right? Madav kruim, right? The, the, the person who, right? Remember the, the, this Benjamite man who came and ran way back when, right? When, the, when Chafti and Pinchas were, were, were killed by Goliath, Who's the man who came with torn clothing with madav kruim? It was Shaul, right? It's at, back to that same chazal, right? It's amazing. So the connections here are be, they're, they're they're clearly being drawn, um, and right, it's amazing. And the merit then of Shaul's awesome bravery of saving the luchos, he has his torn clothing and, and, and he replaces them with the clothing of a melech, right? That's why he becomes Shaul eventually, Shaul a melech. And now that he sinned. Right? and not followed Hashem's will, the Madav are coming off of him, and he's even taking them off willingly without realizing, and putting them on David HaMelech. Right? He's, as if he's giving over the Malchus to David HaMelech. It, it, the symbolism here. But it's, like, no, of course, that's a shot. He's giving him armor and so on. But then what does David say? Right? And if you go back to the Sukkim, David says, I, I, I can't, I can't wear this. He says, right, I can't, I, I'm not accustomed to these. So what does that mean that I, I can't go with them? Right, what does that mean? Pshad is it's the wrong size. Pshad is that it's the wrong size. Um, but it, right, so, but in, a, in a deeper sense, right, you can imagine that David is very conflicted. I'm not ready for Mark. I'm not ready for the, I'm, the king is giving me his clothing. 
And Rashi says, number 31, he says, Nefchuliot kemidat David, that miraculously, David is like a head shorter than Shaul. Somehow the clothing actually did fit him. Mm. Not like the pshat, which says that, he, that it didn't fit him. Um, but because of, he's, he's been anointed, now this clothing fit him. Even though Shaul is a head taller. But once Shaul saw this, right, it's like, oh my goodness, right, this fits him too well. David is like, get, get this off of me, right? Um, but I think there's also another way to look at this, um, which I think is, which is fascinating. It struck me where David is saying, yes, I, maybe it's, I'm going to be taking your clothing, but I don't, want to, I don't want your clothing. I'm going to be a different kind of king. I don't want the madab shel Shaul. I don't want right, Shaul's way. I'm going to be different than you are, right? Because what was Shaul's way? What do we remember about Shaul? He's the man, right? Uh, a physical force, right? He, talk, he, he has his chanit, his spear, as we're going to see. He's, it's all about, he's a little too similar to Goliath, right? He walks around with his chanit. We'll talk about this, God willing, I don't know, maybe next week or at some point, um, right? He's walking around with his spear. And David is saying, that's not the kind of king I'm going to be. I don't need that to win. I believe in Hashem. I trust in Hashem. I have a different way, a way that Shaul was never able to understand, uh, the way of David HaMelech. So uh, for the victory itself and the continuation of the story, we'll have to continue, we'll have to continue next time. I think uh, if we could take a moment just to figure out when we should have this year next, that would be great.